We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 467 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, December 20th. 2022, did you have a favorite meme? A favorite may-may, as Bryce Harper once said during his time as a Nationals outfielder. I'm talking about the hugging, the embracing, the oh-so-obvious pass interference by New York Giants corner Darnay Holmes on our commander's receiver, Curtis Samuel, late night on Sunday night in the commander's 2012 loss to the Giants at FedEx Field. My favorite meme is the one of Holmes grabbing Curtis from behind as they are skydiving uh, together. That's pretty funny, but there are some good maymays out there. Hey, you gotta laugh because otherwise you'll scream and or cry. Uh, hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I'm not sure if this show will make you scream or cry, but I can tell you that a bunch of Commanders players were at the Capitals game on Monday night. Uh, what was another Caps win? A 4-3 come from behind overtime win over the Detroit Red Wings at Capital Win Arena. I'm going to talk Caps later in the show. The Caps now have won seven of their last eight games and now are tied with the New York Islanders at 38 points for the Eastern Conference's second and final wild card spot. Uh, no goals for winger Alex Ovechkin on Monday night, so he does remain with 800 career NHL regular season goals and does remain within one goal of tying Red Wings all-time great Gordy Howe for the second most regular season goals in NHL history at 801. But if you're a Caps fan, a lot to like right now. But yeah, a bunch of Commanders players were at the Caps game on Monday night, including quarterback Taylor Heineke. Uh, the guys at one point were shown chugging beers, uh, including, yes, our guy Tay-Tay, uh, who is remaining the Commanders starting quarterback at least for now. So perhaps Taylor was celebrating that on Monday night. I'm not sure. But we on Monday afternoon had the day after the game Zoom press conference of Commander's head coach Ron Rivera. He stood by Taylor as the team starting quarterback while also saying that a change at quarterback could be coming. <laughs> this was quite the endorsement slash non-endorsement of Taylor as a team starting quarterback. Uh, next segment, I'm going to get into this as well as something that Ron harped on a good bit on Monday afternoon, the offense's red zone struggles. Uh, I'm then going to get into the play calling of offensive coordinator Scott Turner on Monday night. Uh, Ron on Monday afternoon was asked if he would have liked for running back Brian Robinson Jr. to have gotten, you know, more than four carries in the second half on Sunday night. Uh, you will hear Ron's answer. Uh, I do have more for you on the officiating from Sunday night. And I have some items regarding the commander's defense for you, including the latest in as the Chase Young turns uh, as we continue to wait and wonder if edge defender Chase Young will play this season. Uh, Ron on Monday afternoon gave a rather interesting answer regarding Chase. Uh, also on the show, I laid in the show, we'll hit on a few other items, including Navy football on Monday announcing the promotion of interim head coach Brian Newberry to head coach. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Feedback on the commander's loss to the Giants on 
Sunday night continues to pour in. Email from Jimmy in Greenbelt, Maryland. Writes Jimmy, love the show. Uh, thank you, Jimmy. Continues Jimmy. While everyone is in an uproar about the non-call on Curtis Samuel in the end zone, did anybody see Jahan Dodson getting shoved to the ground on the opposite side of the field on that play? Uh, thank you for the email, Jimmy. Uh, yes, receiver Jahan Dodson on the play uh, off to the right at the goal line, uh, gets shoved from behind by Giants corner Nick McLeod and falls down. The officials on that play apparently thought that as long as the receiver didn't die, uh, he wasn't interfered with. So death, apparently, uh, was the standard on that play. Email from Philip C., the MD, writes, Philip, New York was the better team on Sunday night, full stop. Our defense got boat raced especially in the fourth quarter when it really mattered. That's a concern moving forward. People may say we only gave up 13 points, but our defense was just bad enough to keep our offense off the field. Speaking of offense, our pass pro was weak at times, but generally okay on the night. But the pass pro is not reliable enough for how often Scott Turner was dropping Taylor Heineke back. The elephant in the room here is quarterback. Tay-Tay is a dude, but he's not very good playing professional quarterback. I see the dilemma that Ron Rivera has on his hands. Carson Wentz needs a better offensive line to maximize his potential because he just seems to have poor pocket awareness, but Heineke is just so limited. That sideline ball to Curtis Samuel on the two-minute drive, that should have been a touchdown if not for Taylor's weak arm. It's a perfect example of where even his best plays still show his low ceiling. I am not howling at the moon for it, and I'm not being one of those fans, but I am very, very curious what the staff thinks about Sam Howell. The offseason calculus at quarterback is very interesting because Taylor just can't do it, no matter how much people love him and his grid. I will be at the San Fran game. I don't know why I invite such pain into my holidays. Happy holidays to you and your family, and keep up all of the great work. Uh, thank you for that, Philip. Uh, same to you. So, you know, saying that the defense got boat raced on Sunday night, to me anyway, is a bit harsh, okay? As I said on Monday's show, episode 466, I thought that the defense played well enough to win on Sunday night. I have noticed a good bit of criticism of the defense. I got to tell you, I don't get this criticism. The defense allowed 13 true points, held the Giants to 2 of 10 on third downs. There are a bunch of other things I can point out. I mean, held the Giants to just 4.65 yards per play. Were there nits to pick? Yes, but no defense is going to pitch a perfect game. The loss to me was on the commander scoring a pathetic 12 points, and that, of course, is on the offense. Uh, as long as the commanders are in playoff contention, I do not think that we'll see Sam Howell as a starting quarterback. If at some point the commanders get eliminated before week 18, uh, then yes, we should see Sam Howell. And like Philip and like many of you, I am interested in seeing Sam Howell. But, you know, when it comes to like, well, what does the team truly think about Sam? I think you go by the actions, and the team pretty clearly does not believe that Sam gives the team a very good chance to win right now because Sam was inactive for Sunday night, and Carson Wentz was the number two quarterback. Uh, email from David, writes David, first two drives go inside Giants territory and nothing. Sack fumble, absolutely no pass rush all night. Run on at the end via our vaunted defense. Two times inside the 10 at no points. How the heck did we lose this game? LOL. Had a chance to almost seal a playoff spot at home in prime time and nothing. But don't worry, Al. We will go to San Francisco and get a win. Heavy dripping sarcasm, but at least Dan will sell the team until he doesn't. <laughs> uh, thank you for that oh so uplifting email, David. I tell you, God help us all if Dan Snyder ends up not selling the commanders. That's like the one thing that we're all clinging to right now. God help us all if the co owner and co CEO remains the co owner and co CEO moving forward for years to come. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine if the Commanders don't make the playoffs this season and Dan ends up not selling the team this offseason? I mean, come on. You talk about a double whammy. Uh, that would be brutal. I don't even want to think about that. Uh, however, if you are thinking about whether buying a home right now makes sense, uh, the answer actually is yes. 
Uh, the answer to the question of whether Dan is going to sell the team, hopefully, is yes. And the answer to the question of whether buying a home right now makes sense also is yes. Uh, and yes, mortgage rates have gone up. We all know that. But that has led to an increase in housing inventory. And that increase is driving down prices. And so you're right now can get really good homes in the Washington, D.C. area at bargain prices. And remember, you can always refinance once the mortgage rates come back down, and they will. And so if you or someone who you know is interested in buying a home in the D.C. area, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique. And Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want. No matter your age, family situation, or financial situation, Kellen Hunt can help you. He is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Who doesn't want some extra money right now? Give it inflation. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you by booking an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. It is hard to overstate the uh, many disadvantages that the 7-6-1 and one commanders have for their next game, which is at the 10-4 and four and NFC West champion San Francisco 49ers this Saturday afternoon, Christmas Eve afternoon at 4.05. Uh, a, the game comes in a short week, right? The game is this Saturday afternoon, all the commanders having just played on Sunday night. B, the game is a road game across the country. Uh, C, the game is at a really good team in the 49ers. And D, the Niners are coming off extra rest. Uh, their last game was a 21-13 win at the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday Night Football on December 15th. So yeah, the uh, commanders are in kind of a tough spot. At the same time, this is the NFL, okay? You got to figure stuff out. You got to persevere. Uh, just look at, yes, the Niners. Uh, they're on their third string quarterback in Brock Purdy, a rookie who was taken with the very last pick in the 2022 NFL draft and yet the Niners are 10 and 4 and are NFC West champions. Uh what about the Commanders current starting quarterback Taylor Heineke? Uh we on Monday afternoon had Commanders head coach Rod Rivera's day after the game Zoom press conference off the 2012 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday night football. We deep into Ron's presser had the following exchange between David Aldridge who is the editor-in-chief of The Athletic DC, and Ron Rivera. Ron, do you, did you give, do you give any thought to a change of quarterback for next week? No, no, David. I, I think the, the biggest thing more than anything else is, you know, sticking with, with Taylor and, and, and what we're trying to establish. Um, you know, and, and it is something, though, that obviously is talked about, obviously, out there. And it is something that, you know, to, to be quite frank, as I do have to think about at some point. But if we can continue to, if we can get back on track and play the way we've played and do things that we've done, um, you know, then we'll stick with where we are. Uh, until then, you know, I, I will, I will do that. All right. So Rod Rivera is in fact sticking with Taylor Heineke as the Commanders' starting quarterback. But Rod also concedes that a quarterback change could be coming. "Quote: I think that the biggest thing, more than anything else, is sticking with Taylor." And what we're trying to establish and is something, though, that obviously is talked about, obviously out there. And it is something that, to be quite frank, I do have to think about at some point. But if we can get back on track and play the way we played and do the things that we've done, that will stick with where we are. Until then, I will do that. End quote. It's pretty 
funny when you read the transcription of what Ron said. Quote, if we can get back on track and play the way we played and do the things that we've done, then we'll stick with where we are. Until then, I will do that. End quote. Uh, not exactly a ringing endorsement of Taylor Heineke as the commander starting quarterback. You know, that actually was like the perfect answer from Ron regarding Taylor, because this is how Ron has spoken of Taylor for the most part since going with him as a team starting quarterback. Uh, Ron with Taylor seemingly has had one foot in and one foot out. Ron has given a number of these lukewarm and tepid and blunt statements regarding Taylor Heineke. Uh, I have felt for a while that Ron Rivera going back to Carson Wentz as the commander's starting quarterback is very much on the table, and I now believe that even more. And of course, Carson now is back. Uh, He, for Sunday night, was the team's number two quarterback of having been activated from the reserve injured list to the 53-man roster now two Mondays ago, December 12th. That said, to me, the Carson Wentz penchant for taking sacks and the offensive line's uh, pass protection issues make going back to Carson as the commander's starting quarterback right now very tricky. Uh, Taylor Heineke is mobile, and even he has been getting sacked and hit a lot lately. Uh, The commanders, over their two games against the Giants, allowed them to total eight sacks and 18 quarterback hits. What would those numbers have been had Carson Wentz been the commanders starting quarterback and oh by the way the commanders three remaining games in this 2022 regular season are against teams with shall we say high level pass rushers okay three of the best in the NFL heck maybe the three best week 16 at the San Francisco 49ers uh they have edge defender Nick Bosa week 17 home to the Cleveland Browns they have edge defender Miles Garrett and week 18 home to the Dallas Cowboys They have edge defender slash linebacker Micah Parsons. Uh, Also, Taylor Heineke in the loss to the Giants on Sunday night did do some good things. Uh, Taylor for the game had a yards per pass attempt of 8.59 and a yards per completion of 14.65. Those are really good numbers. Uh, Taylor in the game was back to being a run threat uh, to at least some extent. He had three carries for 33 yards. But as we know, the commander's offense right now isn't good enough. And in a lot of ways, all of this just comes down to that. The offense isn't good enough. Uh, Taylor on Sunday night quarterback, a commander's team that went just one of 10 on third downs and just one of three in the red zone and scored just 12 points. And Taylor had two lost fumbles on sack strips and nearly threw a game-clinching interception. Uh, We on Monday afternoon had this exchange between Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com and Ron Rivera. You mentioned an an awareness of, uh, I guess, that the outside dialogue on a quarterback changes. Is that part of your messaging to to Taylor is is just having him trust what's inside the building as opposed to that conversation? Absolutely. Most certainly, Michael. I, I think, you know, my conversation with Taylor last night, it was, hey, look, you know, We had some really good moments during this game. We did some really good things, but we've got to build on it now. And we've got to finish. We truthfully got to finish in the red zone. And, and, you know, and and I think, again, a lot of it is as long as I'm open with him and he understands where I'm coming from, I think we, we we, we both get the messaging. Yeah, and the messaging right now is obvious. The commander's offense needs to be better. Uh, Taylor Heineke on Sunday night, in a lot of ways, had a tale of two halves. Uh, Taylor, in the first half, went to 7-13 for just 55 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions, and took two sacks, including a sack strip, lost fumble that was returned for a touchdown. But Taylor, in the second half, went 10-16 for 194 yards, a touchdown and no interceptions, and took just one sack, although it was a red zone sack strip. That resulted in a lost fumble. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on how he felt Taylor Heineke on Sunday night responded to his poor first half. Oh, I thought he responded very well. I mean, we continued to move the ball up and down the field. Again, we just, we have to be aware of our ball security. I mean, and and that's really what got us. Um, the first one, you know, he got blindsided, but the second one down in the red zone, you, you're looking to escape. You got two hands on the ball. Two hands have to remain on the ball and protect it to the ground. And that's that's the truth. 
Yes, it is. Uh, So we've heard Ron Rivera mention the commander's offense needing to be better in the red zone. Uh, The commanders in the 2022 regular season are just 19-37 in the red zone. Uh, That means that the commanders over 37 red zone possessions have totaled just 19 touchdowns, uh, a red zone efficiency of 51.4%. For comparison's sake, the Philadelphia Eagles for the 2022 regular season are number one in the NFL in red zone efficiency at 73.5%, 36 of 49. So think about that. The Eagles have nearly as many red zone touchdowns, 36, as the Commanders have red zone possessions, 37. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on how the Commanders can be better in the red zone. Well, I, I think part of it is again we 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 have to not be in situations where you 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 feel you have to throw the ball, you know. Keeping the option of being able to run it, uh, it, it opens up so much more. Your, more of your playbook is available to you, you know. And and in several games, we've been slightly behind, and throwing the ball is is is, is one of our better opportunities because of the playmakers we have as wide receivers. You know, and you've got Terry and Jahan now, who's really looks like he's back into form. And Curtis, you know, we've got to we've got to spread the ball to them, but at the same time, we want to keep ourselves in a position where you can run it if you want to. Yeah, and red zone running plays actually have proven to be quite efficient. Uh, the two best spots in which to call running plays in today's NFL are in the red zone and in short yardage situations. Uh, Something that's particularly notable about Taylor Heineke on red zone plays this season is him in what are called low red zone plays. Uh, The low red zone is between the goal line and the 14-yard line. Taylor Heineke in the 2022 regular season on low red zone pass attempts is just 8 of 24. 8 of 24. Uh, That's it. And included in that mix is Taylor on third and fourth down low red zone pass attempts being just one of 11. Uh, That is, shall we say, not so good. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on the Taylor Haneke struggles in the low red zone. I think one of the things that that that, that could be to his his detriment is, you know, when, when, when your initials are taken away, you've got to quickly come back to the other side. And when the space is condensed and it's reduced, you know, it's one of those things that you've got to do it quickly and get through it quickly. You know, a couple of times he's kind of waited a little bit to try and give the guy an opportunity to get to the window or to another window and then go to another guy. And sometimes it's just, you know, we, we've got to keep that that clock in his head going and, uh, you know, continue to do those things. Yeah. And look, red zone stats are tricky because they're based on small sample sizes. So a quarterback with bad red zone stats for one season then can have great red zone stats for the next season. But know this, Carson Wentz in the 2021 regular season in red zone passing had 19 touchdown passes versus one interception. Please consider subscribing to the Al Galdi podcast. If you're not already doing that, subscribing costs you nothing and makes it so that each episode is downloaded to your device. Uh, also, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. Uh, Two other items regarding the commander's offense that I want to get into with you are offensive coordinator Scott Turner's play calling in the 2012 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football and, yes, the officiating in the game. Uh, I am not someone who constantly goes all in on bashing play calling, uh, partly because it's very much a hindsight thing to do, and partly because it's very much a cliche thing to do. We on this podcast have had the Scott Turner conversation plenty of times. Uh, I like a lot about Scott, but I also recognize that he, for a third time in three seasons as Washington offensive coordinator, has a bad offense. And at some point, it doesn't matter how many things that you like about an offensive coordinator. It doesn't matter the excuses that you can come up with. 
for the offensive coordinator. Having not had great offenses, uh, he needs to have a quality offense. And Scott Turner still has not had a quality offense over his time as Washington offensive coordinator. Uh, Specific to Sunday night, the big item that has drawn a lot of attention is Commander's running back Brian Robinson Jr. for the game, averaging 7.42 yards per carry and yet totaling a mere 12 carries, including just four carries in the second half. Uh, Robinson in the first half had eight carries for 54 yards, but in the second half had just four carries for 35 yards. And to this criticism, I say, yeah, it is justified. And I say this as someone who has been championing passing over running for years, but in this case, it's not so much that Scott should have called fewer passing plays and more running plays, as the case is Scott should have called more running plays for Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, Receiver Curtis Samuel has had a good season in terms of rushing, but Curtis on Sunday night got stuffed as a ball carrier. He had five carries for one yard. Now, something to keep in mind is that Curtis in the tie at the Giants in week 13 had a big run in overtime. He had a second and eight, 21-yard shotgun handoff run. My hunch is that Scott Turner on Sunday night had that run in mind, and that's why Scott kept going back to Curtis as a ball carrier, but (laughs) that clearly did not work. Uh, So yeah, looking back on the game, of course, there should have been fewer carries for Curtis Samuel and more carries for Brian Robinson Jr. And what really stands out is the commander's seventh offensive drive resulted in a late third quarter punt. First snap of the drive, Brian Robinson Jr., a first and 10, seven yard under center handoff run. Third snap of the drive on a third and three for the commanders at their 32. Curtis Samuel, a two yard shotgun handoff run. Like Robinson is rolling. Why go with Curtis on a third and three run. Commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon was asked if he would have liked for Brian Robinson Jr. to have gotten more carries in the second half on Sunday night. Well, I, I again, I think you'd like to be able to do what you want to do a little bit more freely. Yeah. Unfortunately, the circumstances did dictate, you know, some other things. But yeah, I would have loved to continue to see if we could have fed him. Um, especially if we could have taken advantage of, of scoring in the red zone uh, because then the game would have been closer. It would have called for something like that where we could have handled the ball. But I do most certainly think that's part of our, our winning formula, and that is to be able to run the ball successfully because it validates your play action. It validates bootlegs. It valid, validates nakeds and, and keepers and stuff like that. So, you know, that's something that we got to continue to focus on and stay focused on it. Yeah, Brian Robinson Jr. on Sunday night had so many good runs. Uh, He, on the commander's first offensive drive, had three carries for 17 yards and a reception for 18 yards on one target. Uh, This was the first offensive drive of the game, was a 10-play drive uh, that did result in a first-quarter punt. Uh, But the commander's second offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's First quarter, 41-yard field goal. Second snap of the drive. First and five for the Commanders at the Giants, 35. Brian Robinson Jr., a 15-yard offset eye handoff run. The Commanders' fourth offensive drive did result in a second quarter punt, but the first snap of the drive, Brian Robinson Jr., a first and 10, 13-yard shotgun handoff run. Third snap of the drive, Robinson, a second and 10, 11-yard under center handoff run at the end of which he did fumble out of bounds. Uh, That commander's seventh offensive drive resulted in a late third quarter punt. First snap of the drive, Robinson, a first and 10, seven-yard under center handoff run. The commander's eighth offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's fourth quarter 51-yard field goal. Second snap of the drive, first snap of the fourth quarter, Brian Robinson Jr., a second and six, five-yard under center handoff run on which he did a great job of cutting back to his right to turn a potential bad run into a good run. The commander's ninth offensive drive uh, resulted in Taylor Heideke's fourth quarter red zone loss fumble on a sack strip. Second snap of the drive, Brian Robinson Jr., a first and 10, 19-yard shotgun handoff run. Uh, The next snap, by the way, uh, was a first and 10, one-yard shotgun handoff run for Curtis Samuel. And with 
Curtis Samuel on Sunday night. Of course, we also had what happened on the commander's final offensive snap of the game. And look, I'm not going to do a whole thing on the officiating here. I said my piece on Monday's show, episode 466. I do want to add a few things, though. Uh, So regarding that commander's final offensive snap, 56 seconds left in the fourth quarter, fourth and goal at the six. Taylor Haneke, the shotgun incompletion intended for Curtis Samuel in the end zone, where he clearly was the victim of pass interference by corner Darnay Holmes, but no penalty was called. Uh, There is basically universal agreement that the pass interference should have been called. This is not just a commander's fanboy thing. This is an across-the-NFL thing at this point. But I do want to say this in fairness to the Giants. Uh, Also on that play was edge defender Kayvon Thibodeau getting poked in an eye by apparently left tackle Charles Leno Jr., who could have been called for an illegal use of hands penalty. So that is worth noting, okay? Like, if we're going to talk about what should have been called in the end zone, it's only fair to note what could have been called in the backfield. Uh, What's funny is that the officiating scenario that seemingly has become a bigger deal is what happened earlier on that drive. Third and goal at the one, Receiver Terry McLaurin committed a five-yard illegal formation penalty that nullified a touchdown by Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, Terry, after the game, said that he, on the snap of the penalty, had asked the line judge, Carl Johnson, if Terry was lined up properly. Johnson instructed Terry what to do in order to be lined up properly. And so Terry did as he was told, and then Johnson threw the flag anyway, and the video backs up. Terry's depiction of what went down. Dean Blandino, uh, he was the NFL's vice president of officiating from 2013 to 2017. Uh, He now serves as an NFL officiating analyst for various outlets, including the 33rd team. This was Blandino in a video for the 33rd team on Monday on the illegal formation penalty on Terry McLaurin. The Commanders are down by eight. They need a touchdown and a two-point try to tie it. They get what appears to be the touchdown, but wait a minute, there's a flag for an illegal formation on Terry McLaurin. And this was interesting. Look, there were some issues with this formation because actually on the other side of the ball, Deami Brown actually lined up and the tackle was uncovered. They shifted out of that. And then McLaurin looks at the line of scrimmage official. And this is the deal. You'll see this throughout every level of football. Receivers are taught to look to the line of scrimmage official to establish where the line of scrimmage is. Am I supposed to be on or off? Where is the line so I can get lined up correctly? The official and McLaurin do have an exchange. The official does appear to show McLaurin where the line is. McLaurin does move up, he gets set, and then the ball is snapped and the official throws the flag. Look, when you have that exchange with a player, and we always talk about in this situation, when you have two receivers that are split out wide, we just wanna see a slight stagger. We call it a blade of grass philosophy. And if they're not directly on the same line and one is a little bit forward and one is a little bit back, then we don't wanna call that. There's no advantage. The defense knows that both of those players are eligible players. And in that situation, to me, that is way too technical to make that call. I don't care if it's in the first quarter with 12 minutes to go or in the fourth quarter on the potential game-tying touchdown. It's too technical. It's not a foul for what McLaurin did and where he was lined up. There you go. Even Dean Blandino is on the commander's side on the illegal formation penalty on Terry McLaurin. Uh, Here was Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon. We had several opportunities on both sides of the ball to, to do some things. I mean, it, it shouldn't have come down to what it did at the very end if we do those things, you know. Um, but, you know, honestly, though, it, it's just one of those things where if you do those things, if you if you execute, play discipline um, on a couple in a couple situations in the red zone, um, you know, uh, and, and, and do what you're supposed to. We put the ball in the end zone instead of having to kick field goals or, or, or unfortunately turning it over. Yeah, and there's that theme of the red zone again. Up next, I'll talk commander's defense. Uh, guess who? The commander's two highest graded players for pro football focus for the Los 
to the Giants were. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Two defensive backs who aren't exactly top of mind for most Commanders fans. Uh, also, Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon addressed edge defender Chase Young still not having made his 2022 season debut. We'll get into that. And an unfortunate but unavoidable compare and contrast involving Chase straight ahead. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's talk Commander's defense off the team falling to 7-6-1 with the 2012 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday night and off head coach Rod Rivera's day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon. As I have been saying, I thought that the Commander's defense on Sunday night played well enough to win. Uh, the Commander's two highest graded players per pro football focus for the game were two defensive backs and probably not the first two Commander's defensive backs of whom you think. Uh, safety slash nickel corner Bobby McCain and corner Danny Johnson. Uh, Bobby McCain for the game was the highest graded Commander's player for Pro Football Focus. Uh, he registered an overall grade of 87.3. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, McCain played on 94% of the commander's defensive snaps, and he did make plays in this game. Giants' second offensive drive resulted in a second quarter punt, the sixth snap of the drive, the first snap of the second quarter, third and six for the Giants at their 40. Edge defender Montez Sweat had a quarterback hit, and Bobby McCain made a nice tackle on a four-yard shotgun completion by quarterback Daniel Jones to receiver Isaiah Hodgins of the Giants' ninth offensive drive resulted in former Redskins kicker Graham Gano's 50-yard field goal with 155 left in the fourth quarter. Eighth snap of the drive, third and six for the Giants at the Commanders 31. Bobby McCain, a forced fumble that was recovered by receiver Darius Slayton on a shotgun play action completion by Daniel Jones uh, to Slayton for no gain. And then Danny Johnson, uh, he for the game was the second highest graded commanders player for pro football focus, registered an overall grade of 82.6 of the Giants. First offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. Danny Johnson, a pass defense on each of the final two snaps of the drive. Johnson on Sunday night played on a hundred percent of the commander's defensive snaps. Remember what went down in the commander's previous game prior to the loss to the Giants at FedEx Field on Sunday night. The tie at the Giants in Week 13, corner Christian Holmes got benched in favor of Danny Johnson, and Holmes on Sunday night did not play on any of the commander's defensive snaps. It is so funny with Danny Johnson. This guy just keeps finding his way onto Washington's 53-man roster and keeps finding his way into being a contributor for Washington. Uh, the commanders on October 25th signed Johnson from the practice squad to their active roster. It was in October of last year that Washington signed Johnson from the practice squad to the active roster, and he ended up playing a good bit as that 2021 season went on. He became Washington's primary nickel corner as the 2021 season went on. Uh, this is Danny Johnson's age 27 season and fifth consecutive season with Washington, uh, which first signed him in April 2018 as an undrafted free agent at a Southern University. Uh, speaking of commander's corners, it uh, would be very nice if the team 
got back corner Benjamin St. Juice for this upcoming game at the 10-4 and and NFC West champion San Francisco 49ers this Saturday afternoon, Christmas Eve afternoon at 4.05. Uh, the Juice on Sunday night was inactive for a third consecutive game due to a right ankle injury that he suffered in the win at the Houston Texans in Week 11. It also would be nice if edge defender Chase Young this Saturday afternoon uh, finally made his 2022 season debut. He, for Sunday night, was inactive for a third consecutive game as, of course, he still has not played in a game since suffering a torn right knee now more than 13 months ago, uh, November 14th, 2021. Uh, That was the day on which Chase got hurt. He got hurt in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field. Ron Rivera, during his day after the game Zoom press conference on December 5th off the tie at the Giants on December 4th, said that Chase Young's biggest remaining obstacle was his confidence in the knee. Uh, Well, this was Ron on Monday afternoon on if the urgency for Chase Young to make his season debut is increased by the predicament in which the commanders now find themselves in terms of playoff contention. Absolutely. I, I think so. I think that, you know, and for everybody for that matter, you know, we're, we're in a very precarious situation right now. We have a half game lead over a couple of teams. And the key, though, is we got to focus in on and taking care of them one at a time. We got a big game coming up this Saturday. You know, we've got a couple of key guys that, that are, are hopefully ready to come back from, from, from injury and get them out on the field so uh, they can help us out. I mean, we need, uh, you know, all hands on deck. This is, this is, this is, this is what you live for. This is the crunch time of it. And, and you got to want to be there and, and, and got to want to be part of it um, and do whatever you can to get on, on the field. Um, and, 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 and hopefully, you know, some of these guys are healthy enough and ready to go. And, you know, because we're not going to expose anybody that's not ready. But if, if a guy can, can, can come and make it and, and be out there to help us, we'd sure love to have him on the field. So Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon did not hesitate in saying, yeah, the commander's current placement in the NFC standings does add urgency for Chase Young to make his 2022 season debut. Although Ron did add, quote, we're not going to expose anybody that's not ready, end quote. What's hard for me to ignore with Chase Young given this upcoming Commanders game at the 49ers, is this. Chase Young and Niners edge defender Nick Bosa. Uh, How do you not do the compare and contrast? Nick Bosa, like Chase Young, is an edge defender who went to Ohio State. Uh, Nick Bosa, like Chase Young, was taken with a number two overall pick in an NFL draft. The 49ers took Bosa with the number two pick in the 2019 NFL draft. The Redskins took Chase Young with the number two pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, Nick Bosa, like Chase Young, won Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year for a rookie season in which he played a big role in elevating a defense that had been really bad the previous season. Uh, Nick Bosa, like Chase Young, suffered a torn ACL in his second NFL season. A lot, I mean a lot of parallels between Chase Young and and Nick Bosa. And what happened with Nick Bosa last season, his third NFL season, uh, he was a monster. Uh, Nick Bosa finished the 2021 regular season number four in the NFL with 15 and a half sacks and finished number three in the NFL with 32 quarterback hits and finished tied for number one in the NFL with 21 tackles for loss. Uh, Well, Chase Young's third NFL season is not at all like Nick Bosa's third NFL season, and Bosa has continued to be a monster this season. Uh, Nick Bosa for the 2022 regular season through week 15 is number one in the NFL in sacks with 15 and a half and is number one in the NFL in quarterback hits with 38 and is tied with Commander's interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen for number two in the NFL in tackles for loss with 16. Look, I know that it's not healthy for us as Commanders fans to be comparing Chase Young with Nick Bosa, but come on, how do you not look at the absolute force that is Nick Bosa and not lament Chase Young not only not being such a force, but not even having played a single snap in more than 13 months? Uh, My hope with Chase Young is that he ends up being next season's Curtis Samuel for the Commanders. Uh, Receiver Curtis Samuel, of course, had a lost 2021 season 
due to injury, but he this season has stayed healthy and has been very productive. And perhaps a year from now, we'll be saying the same thing about Chase Young. But yeah, right now, not a lot to feel good about with Chase. Uh, Not his fault, but that is the situation. Well, as we have been discussing and monitoring and pondering uh, where the commanders stand in their push for the NFL playoffs, I'm happy to say that the Capitals now are tied for the Eastern Conference's second and final wildcard spot for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Oh, we have a long way to go until the Stanley Cup playoffs begin, but given all that the Caps have endured so far this season, it is worth noting that, yeah, The Caps now are tied with the New York Islanders at 38 points for the Eastern Conference's second and final wildcard spot. Uh, The Caps on Monday night won for a seventh time in eight games. Uh, The Caps improved to 17-13-4 with a 4-3 overtime win over the Detroit Red Wings at Capital Win Arena. Uh, This was a comeback win as the Caps overcame deficits of 2-0 in the second period and 3-2 in the third period. Uh, defenseman Eric Gustafson off his hat trick in the Caps last game, the 5-2 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs at Capital Win Arena on Saturday night, scored the game-tying even-strength goal 5-59 into the third period. And another Caps defenseman, Dmitry Orlov, he scored the game-winning even-strength goal 438 into overtime. Uh, he also had a game-high seven hits. Uh, Orlov's game-winning goal, his 59th career regular season goal uh, moved him past the great Al Iafredi for the ninth most regular season goals by defenseman in Caps history. Uh, We did not have history with winger Alex Ovechkin. Uh, He did have a primary assist, three shots on goal, and six total shot attempts, but no goals. So Ovi remains with 800 career NHL regular season goals and remains within one goal of tying Red Wings all-time great Gordy Howe for the second most regular season goals in NHL history at 801. Ovi on Monday, by the way, was named the NHL's first star for the week ending December 18th. Now, as you may recall, Caps goaltender Charlie Lindgren was named the NHL's first star for the previous week. Uh, You know that things are going well for your team when it has the NHL's first star in each of two consecutive weeks. But what a job by the Caps here in recent weeks. Uh, Despite all of the team's injuries, the Caps are rallying. Uh, Winger TJ Oshie on Monday night did not play due to an upper body injury that he suffered in the win over the Maple Leafs on Saturday night. And so the Caps on Monday night were without the following guys due to injury. Forwards TJ Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, Connor Brown, Carl Haglin, and Beck Malenstein, and defenseman Martin Faravari and Alexander Alexiev. Uh, additionally, goaltender Darcy Kemper, again, did not play, although he did serve as the Caps' number two goaltender. So he is getting close to playing. Uh, Kemper is coming off an upper body injury that he suffered in a 5-2 loss at the Calgary Flames on December 3rd. Uh, Charlie Lindgren on Monday night was the Caps' starting goaltender for an eighth consecutive game. Uh, You know, he wasn't at his best, but he did end up having a winning performance. So he stopped 16 of the 19 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Back for the Caps on Monday night was center Nick Dowd. Uh, He returned from a one-game absence caused by a lower body injury, and he had two second-period even-strength goals and a secondary assist. Uh, And his two goals came over a 12-second span in the second period. So the Caps got some really nice secondary scoring on Monday night when you consider the goals by defenseman Dmitry Orloff and Eric Gustafson and the two goals from center Nick Dowd. Uh, the Caps on Monday night dominated the puck possession battle. Uh, the Caps for natural statric had 62 five-on-five shot attempts to the Red Wings 34, totaled 42 shots on goal to the Red Wings 19. Uh, not a good night for the Caps on special teams. Caps went just 2-3 on the penalty kill and 0-3 on the power play, but the Caps did win. Uh, They rallied to win, and they are very much in playoff contention uh, to whatever extent that you get caught up in playoff contention at this point in the NHL season. Next up for the Caps at the Ottawa Senators, Thursday night at 7. And a few more items before we call it a show. What I suspected would be the case uh, now is the case. Uh, Navy has promoted interim head coach Brian Newberry to head coach. Uh, it was on 
December 11th, at Navy announced that Ken Niamatololo was out as Navy head coach after 15-plus seasons. Uh, Navy, in that announcement, named defensive coordinator Brian Newberry as interim head coach. Uh, well, Newberry now is the head coach. Uh, announcement on Monday, he becomes the 40th head football coach at the Naval Academy. Uh, Newberry had served as the defensive coordinator for Navy for the last four seasons. You know, Navy's offense has been a problem in recent seasons. The defense, though, has been pretty good, and Newberry obviously has been a big part of that. I still do wonder about this firing of Ken Niamatololo. I mean, here's a guy who was named Navy head coach in December 2007. He has Navy head coach went 109 and 83. That is not easy to do at a service academy like Navy. Uh, Niamatololo is the winningest head coach in Navy football history. He, to me, is a legitimate candidate for the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, but yeah, I am rooting for Brian Newberry. Uh, also, the Orioles, uh, they are bringing back Michael Givens. Uh, the O's reportedly have agreed on a contract with free agent reliever Michael Givens. Uh, he pitched for the O's at the major league level from 2015 to 2020. Uh, the O's traded him to the Colorado Rockies in August 2020. He since then has pitched for a bunch of teams. Uh, the Rockies, the Cincinnati Reds, the Chicago Cubs, and the New York Mets. The 2023 season will be Givens' age 33 season. Uh, Givens, over the last three regular seasons, 2020 through 2022, has a strikeouts per nine innings of 10. Uh, he does issue too many walks, but he can generate strikeouts. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday's show, episode 468, will feature a special guest talking commanders, commanders insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington. Is Taylor Heineke's job as the commander's starting quarterback on the line in this game at the San Francisco 49ers this Saturday afternoon at 4.05. Also on Wednesday's show, I'll talk Wizards. Uh, they are in the midst of a 10-game losing streak. Go the Wiz on Tuesday night or at the Phoenix Suns at 9. And I'll talk college basketball. Georgetown at number 2 UConn Tuesday evening at 6.30. Number 6 Virginia at number 22 Miami Tuesday night at 8.30. The latest Associated Press Top 25 poll came out on Monday. Virginia went from number two to number six. Virginia Tech moved up from number 24 to number 21, and Maryland fell from number 20 to out of the top 25, but the Terrapins are the first team in, among others, receiving votes. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. I, I think the, the biggest thing more than anything else is, you know, sticking with, with Taylor and, and, and what we're trying to establish, um, you know, and, and it is something, though, that obviously is talked about, obviously, out there. And it is something that, you know, to, to be quite frank, as I do have to think about at some point. But if we can continue to if we can get back on track and play the way we've played and do things that we've done, um, you know, then we'll stick with where we are uh, until then. You know, I, I will I will do that. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.